KaiFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Good morning and welcome back to Tech Talk. And we have got so much news. I was just working out. I haven't been on air for three Thursdays in a row, which is, I think, a bit of a record with all the Jewish holidays. But anyway, um, a lot, and I mean a lot, has happened in the tech world. It's been quite an interesting time. And obviously, it's the run-up to the... Um, Year-end madness that's fast approaching. I hate to wish away the end of the year, but we sit in the latter half of October, and uh, we're nearly, nearly, nearly there. So stay tuned. I have got lots and lots of interesting information from a huge Windows 10 update. Now, I know, please don't get uh, annoyed. I know I always get a million people saying, well, why should I update? Things always break. Things don't work. The fact is, this is a massive upgrade. It's called the Fall Creators, because it's fall, it's autumn in the Northern Hemisphere, the Fall Creators update. And if you've got a modern PC or one with a touchscreen or one with a tablet um, and a pen, you've got some massive upgrades coming away. But a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But I'm sure if you haven't been hiding under a rock, you've heard about this massive data leak that has hit South Africa this week. I mean, something like 30 or 40 million ID numbers and all the on all the information details, etc. Your address, your ID number, your bond details, absolutely everything about you has been leaked on the web over the last little while. And I mean, your income, you name it, everything has been um, has been leaked. And this was picked up by a guy who actually runs a a website called Have I Been Pawned. Now, it's actually well worth going to have a look at it. The website is very easy to find. It's have I been, P-W-N-E-D, pawned, have I been pawned dot com. So if you go to have I been pawned dot com and you put in your email address, um, he's only got four billion of them linked to his website. If you put in your email address, which I've done, and you will see exactly where and how you've been compromised over the last little while. The sad news about this particular leak is that there were only about 2 million um, email addresses in that particular cluster of data. Um, although there's close to 30, 40 million uh, people that have been compromised in this. And um, what is so sad is that they've traced the the leak to a server in a, um, I'm not mentioning names on air, but essentially uh, an estate agent um, was offering information to its agent so they could vet potential buyers. And that database was totally available and open to the Internet. And the good news is it has been taken offline. But the database was around about 30 gigabytes of data and it has been downloaded and it has been floating around on the on the web now there's not a whole lot you can do about that unfortunately um this this information is out there not that a lot of this information isn't out there in any event i mean anyone who has a bank anyone who has anything to do with um anything online for that matter has a lot of public information out there. And in truth, the new Poppy Act that's coming in will make it an offense for, for people not to secure this information with fines up to a couple of million rand. But right now, it doesn't look like anybody's going to be prosecuted. And the simple fact is that people as uh, high profile as our dear Jacob Zuma, his details have been uh, 
Malusi Gigaba and even the police minister, Fikile Mbalula, has, uh, is part of the breach. They've checked. Their names are on the list. You've got all their details, their income. Certainly will make for interesting reading. But the fact is, all this information is generally out there. The only thing that I can say is that if you use the Have I Been Pawned website and you find that your email address has been compromised, um, and it's from a number of places. I mean, the latest compromise in South Africa was Sturkinikor. Um, Sony's database was hacked. So wherever you were, if your name has been compromised and you have, uh, and you do pop up on that Have I Been Pawned website, the first and most critical thing is to change all your passwords, all of them, and not use one password for everything. I mean, I've spoken about this many, many, many times, and every expert you speak to with regard to cybersecurity um, says that you should use a password password uh, type product, a password saver type product. It's built into Chrome now, um, so have multiple passwords for multiple different websites and keep them extremely safe. And certainly banking passwords need to be quite complex and never reused anywhere else on the web. Although the banks do quite a good job of notifying you. The other thing that you can do to be really careful is you should, every year on your birthday, you can get a free credit report um, on yourself and you go to Credit Inform's website, and you can download your own credit report. And it's always good to see if someone perhaps, unfortunately, has cloned your ID or there's been some sort of ID theft. The other thing is obviously use all the bank's various um, systems for notifications and make sure they work. And uh, just stay vigilant. There's not a lot else you can do. So stay awake. Stay aware online and just, you know, even if your information's out there, not a lot can be done unless you've got a lot to lose and you've got money in a bank that they want to get their hands on. So stay alive, uh, watch this whole thing and just be aware that there are millions and millions of uh, dollars in in cyber fraud going on around the world. In fact, billions of dollars of cyber fraud. And this type of data is definitely um, useful for phishing or what they call it, or cyber phishing, and, and they go out there and they try to build up profiles and, and, and clone your ID and those sort of things. So you've got to stay aware and know what you're doing, but it's not a huge immediate risk. Just be aware that this information has been breached. It's out there. They've shut down that website, but the databases do exist, and um, it's it's not going to be pretty if someone's managed to get all your information and do everything. Now, moving on to a, another little cyber breach, which is quite interesting. It's obviously a bit of cyber week right now. But the uh, 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 a researcher has discovered a massive Wi-Fi vulnerability in all Wi-Fi um, uh, devices, specifically all Windows, all Apple, all Android devices. In fact, any device that uses a Wi-Fi um, set up has this vulnerability and very simply what happens is and this this, this Matty van Hoof who founded the, the researcher in Belgium he's called it the crack attack it's a very simple and very novel thing and what it does it simply uses someone who has access to your Wi-Fi network it allows them and this is most most important it can happen in, in sort of public places if you use public Wi-Fi but it allows them to switch channels and in doing so get all your encryption keys all your passwords and be able to put malware on your computer and be able to um, do all sorts of interesting things, steal your information and do some, you know, interesting 
uh, uploads and downloads of all the stuff on your computer. However, here's the good thing. Microsoft have already patched it. You just need to update to your latest versions or update whatever version of Windows 8 and above that you have. If you have Windows 7, time to upgrade. If you have Windows before 7, you shouldn't be using it for this specific reason. Um, Apple and, I- and iOS have also said that in the next release of their various operating systems, they will patch it. And the biggest problem is Android. The phones are not patched as often as they should be, although the November patch that is coming out from Google um, for the Android system will patch this. And we'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Hi there and welcome back. And um, as I said, the biggest vulnerability around this Wi-Fi problem is on an Android phone. So if you've got an older Android phone, you will find that um, you may need to download a patch or download an update. Please do so. A lot of people don't download updates. They forget about them. Android is notorious for this and it's really well worth it. The other thing that you may need to do, and this is another thing that a lot of people don't do and don't even think about, you may need to update your Wi-Fi router with a patch and all the major manufacturers are issuing patches for your routers and if you're with one of the mweb or telcom they should be doing so as well so you need to be aware of this you need to either call in people to do it for you or do the update yourself because it's although it's a major flaw and it has been identified it's very easy to fix and once your router is fixed even if the phone itself is not patched Connecting to your router or connecting to a public router, the, pat, the the crack won't work. You need the floor both on the phone and on the various Wi-Fi setups out there to be able to capitalize on it. So back to what I was saying earlier. We, we live in a world that's very connected, super connected in many cases, overconnected according to some people, and you need to keep your product up to date. It's always well worth um, downloading all the latest patches and updating them. Most of them it's, is, is part of the whole security thing, this cat and mouse game that we play with people, um, you know, with the cyber criminals. And as they go one step ahead, um, you move, uh, you, you hope that Microsoft, Google and these guys, which they do, and the big, even the big antivirus guys who are not in the best of uh, sort of positions right now. But essentially, all these guys are working really hard the crooks to get your information and everyone else to stop them. So the best way to keep on top of it without being, uh, you know, paranoid or totally paranoid is just to do all the various updates and everything that you need to do. Now, moving on to something a lot more uh, fun and a lot more interesting. Netflix in South Africa are really taking things seriously. They've established a presence here. They've got marketing people in South Africa. They're even engaging with um, local content manufacturers, and they're looking to really ramp up their presence and their content and their catalog in South Africa. Since launch, they've now almost tripled the amount of product or the amount of, of uh, titles available through this, the Netflix South Africa um, portal. And again, all their content is available locally. So you don't have these massive delays of streaming content from servers sitting around the world. The servers exist right here in South Africa, across the country, Johannesburg, Cape Town, and in other places. And um, you can get really quick, easy streaming of Netflix content. But what is so cool is that they are now, they feel that um, they've got enough content now to actively really get out there and promote Netflix. Um, and 
another thing that uh, is quite interesting is that they've put up the price of Netflix or will be putting up the price from November of Netflix in the U.S. and around the world. But they've said that for South Africans, they are not going to do so. And currently, they still charge in U.S. dollars. I think it's seven ninety nine and ten ninety nine, depending on whether you have the Ultra HD or the standard package. Um, and what they also announced this week is that you'll be able to pay in rands, which will might uh, fix it so you, they've been absorbing the, the the exchange rate problems up to now, but they're going to be able to offer you um, uh, your Netflix subscription in rands and not dollars, which certainly takes a little bit of uh, uncertainty out of your budgeting. And the main reason they're doing this is that a company called Quasi have launched Quasi Play in South Africa, and the Quasi Play is the Roku partner. They're the guys who sell the little set-top boxes that you can get all this stuff through. And um, they've been offering a, a really interesting package with all their their streaming stuff at, at, at very attractive prices and at, at a rand amount per month. Now, the good thing with uh, our friends at Netflix and a lot of these streamings, I mean, you can often get um, packages from the various providers to give you really attractive data rates, and streaming is without question becoming the bigger the biggest thing in in, in TV in years. I mean, it's changing the way we interact. It's changing the way that we watch TV. It's changing the way that TV is being produced and offered. And I mean, for example, um, Netflix globally, not in America, but globally, if you like the uh, Star Trek franchise, weekly, this is very un-Netflix, but essentially every week as CBS launches the latest version, the latest uh, episode of the new Star Wars show, which is fabulous, I must tell you. She has a review of that. It's as good as the, um, as good as the previous ones. The effects are amazing. It's just an outstanding show. So if you want to watch the latest, uh, Star Wars, not Star Wars, I'm going absolutely mad. Um, <laughs> it's not Star Wars. It's, uh, I've gone blank. Anyway, they, um, offering it every week to, to everybody who's got a, um, Netflix, uh, Subscription, And I'll come back to you in that in a few seconds. I've gone totally blank. It's not Star Wars. It's Go Forth and Prosper. It's the Star Trek uh, thing. So there you go. We've got the all the star, all your Trekkies out there can watch it um, on Netflix in South Africa um, right now. Now, moving on to another huge update, and this one's from Microsoft, and it's available as of yesterday, not Entirely ready yet for South Africa. It's not popping up on South Africans' um, uh, computers as yet. But Microsoft have launched their Windows 10 Fall Creators Update. Now, I've been on their beta program and I've been using it over the past six months as they've, you know, perfected it and got it right. And I must tell you, it is a very, very significant uh, update for anyone who runs a Windows 10 um, PC. And even the older PCs benefit from it. There are a ton of improvements, and it's going to start popping up in your, um, you know, your update center in the next little while. And I must tell you that I've updated numerous different machines, from very inexpensive machines to some very high-end laptops to some very simple desktops, and I've actually had no issues whatsoever. I've had a couple of printers that stopped working, unfortunately, because the drivers were no longer compatible um, and had to reload them. But other than that, I've had absolutely no trouble. I'm sure that there are going to be problems out there. There are just 
millions, if not hundreds of millions of devices and options and problems and things. But essentially, the full creator's update is very much focused on the latest generation of PCs, PCs with touchscreens, PCs that have tablet um, and pencil drawing uh, abilities. And that's why it's called the creator's update. There's a huge amount of improvement in terms of 3D, virtual reality, um, and lots of the newer concepts. In fact, you can even on your normal PC, you don't need any 3D glasses, you don't need virtual reality headsets. You can use your camera to put objects on the screen in a sort of mixed reality type environment. But obviously, um, all the manufacturers, Acer, Asus, Dell, HP, Lenovo, and Samsung, all these guys are are, are coming up with mixed reality headsets, which is great for gaming um, and uh, great for lot training, great for lots and lots of different ideas. But what you can do is you can, you know, overlay computer-generated graphics and images on top of everything that you're doing and still exist in the real world, which is quite a big deal. It's a lot less immersive than virtual reality, but it certainly is a lot um lot more useful. What Windows 10 has also done is they're usher, ushering in a new design language. I love the way they put that. But it's called Fluent Design. And I will tell you, I've been, as I said, been using it for a while. They've cleaned up their notifications. They've cleaned up their notification bar. They've cleaned up their menu considerably. And it's certainly a flatter, cleaner, more modern-looking design. And it it works pretty much across all um all the various uh, products that Microsoft sells. So even your office gets a new gloss of blur. And it, it, it's pretty cool. It's certainly very modern. And it definitely makes things look a lot better. And one of the other major advantages, especially if you use uh, a pen and touch, is their Microsoft Edge. Now, Microsoft Edge is their browser. We've been using it for a, a while now. But they finally brought it into full sort of functionality mode. And you can... Write on PDFs. You can save things with a, a, a touch of your finger. It's just a great web browser. It's fast. It's secure. And a lot of other improvements. So keep your eyes open. It's going to start coming down the downstream in the next very, very short while, in the next couple of days. And um, it's a big update. So three to five gigs, depending on, on you know what you're doing. And it's very, very well worth it. So keep your eyes open. Look out for the Microsoft Creators Fall Edition. They've done a lot of work. It's certainly a lot more compatible. There's a, a lot of little added bits and pieces. And I will come back with a full review in the next week or two as soon as things have settled down and people have got an idea of what's going on. And we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe right after this. Hi, FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe, and with me, not in the studio, but in their offices at Huawei, is Akram Mohammed, and he's the product marketing director for Huawei mobile products, I assume, in South Africa. And Huawei have got some really interesting stuff coming in the nearish future. There's some great chips and bits and pieces that uh, I spoke about a couple of weeks ago when I was at IFA and I went to the launch of the new Kirin 970 um, NPU or smart chip. Uh, we'll talk about that. I'll let Akram explain what that means. But there's a lot happening in the mobile space. This year end, you know, 2017 seems to be a huge year in for great new fancy high-end mobile devices and some good moderately priced ones too. But Akram, welcome to the show and 
Tell us a little bit about the big news that um, Huawei have been on about in the the recent past and this whole idea of the Kirin 970, which sounds all techy. But what is it and what does it mean? Hi, Stephen, and thank you for having me on your show once again. You know, we we always talk about, and um, previously we we speak about the technologies that's on offer on our mobile devices, what it can do, um, how advanced it has gotten. And I think today with the QN970, we're going to talk about the actual brain and the power that that runs all of this. The QN970, just to put some context for your listeners, is Huawei's in-house chipset. That's actually an interesting thing. You're one of the few manufacturers who make your own processor. Correct. This is something that not many guys can do, Huawei being big enough to actually physically make the processor that runs the phones, runs the smartphone itself. We, we actually have multiple businesses. I mean, you know, we have the network side of things. We have the enterprise, the infrastructure side of the business, as well as the chipset. And the reason we do this is all of our smartphones will work on the networks, and we have to design the best networks possible to be able to bring that user functionality. Also, from the chipset perspective, it allows us to be able to innovate quicker, bring newer technologies to market at a more affordable price point for the consumers. And that is done by our subsidiary called High Silicon, and they manufacture the Kirin chipsets. Okay, so the Kirin chipsets have been around quite a while. They've been in quite a number of the various models you've had. But this new one has something special. Yeah, the Kirin chipset is now 10 years running, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And the 2017 edition is something that we are truly, truly excited about. And it's the first chipset in the world to introduce native on-device AI capabilities. That's quite a big deal. I mean, you hear AI and machines and smart this and smart that everywhere. But this is significant because this has never been done before. Absolutely, it's never been done before. And the reason for that is, I mean, AI has been around for some time. Um, AI is available on cloud-based applications right now. It's quite common in the likes of social networking. Um, Facebook has algorithms, so does Twitter um, and the likes, as well as Google and Microsoft, etc. And right now, AI is mainly used in terms of language understanding um, and also... AI has been mainly used to, for language understanding as well as for recommendations on these sites to be able to customize. But cloud-based AI comes with its own uh, some restrictions and cloud-based well, challenges. Sorry, just to give context there, cloud-based, all these massive data centers that exist in the cloud have very smart operating systems and, you know, the Google Voice and all that type of stuff. And that's a form of, of machine intelligence, and it needs massive processing power running at scale in big data centers. What we're talking about here is very different to that. It's completely different to that. You know, what we're talking about here is how does your device work together with cloud-based AI to give you the best user experience possible? How do you take this hype around AI this, this technology that everybody's so, some of them are worried about and so excited about, but bring it to a user experience on a day-to-day basis when you're actually using your mobile phone. What difference does it make to your mobile experience? And this is what we're talking about. With cloud-based AI, yes, it has a huge data center and it's used knowledge banks. So it, it's able to process big data, but it comes with its challenges in terms of latency. Because you're connecting via a mobile network, you have those issues, you have 
time delays, etc. We are now talking about native AI on a device that's done in real time. But like you've just mentioned, without the need for large data centers. How do you do that? The key challenge and why it has not been done before is mobile manufacturers as well as chipset manufacturers find it very difficult because to be able to process these large amounts of data, it needs huge processing power, but it also needs huge um, battery power. It's, it's a drain on your resources. So the faster and stronger you make your processor, the, the bigger and heftier your battery's got to be. Correct. And what we've managed to do now is by putting the NPU into the device um, on the QN970 chipset, the NPU does all of the heavy lifting. So whereas if you look at uh, an AI, a typical AI or a very popular AI application like Prisma, what Prisma does is it processes images into artistic effects and it uses intelligent algorithms that are able to map out these images and give you artistic effects in the best view possible. But it's a drain on resources again. And if your device is not powerful enough to handle that, you find it overheating, you find your battery runs down, and sometimes some users have even commented if you go onto the Google Play Store that it sometimes takes an hour or two to process one image just using this application. What happens now is because uh, using older chipset configurations, if you are using your camera functionality, your ISP is being used, um, so is your CPU as well as your GPU, and all of these things are working together to try and give you the best results. So it looks simple. You take a picture, yeah. and all this data lands up getting processed internally by the phone at some level. Correct. But because the, the chipset is not intelligent enough to understand who does the heavy lifting, which part of the processor needs to handle the specific task at this present moment, um, all of them work in tandem, and that is a drain on resources. The NPU comes in, and the NPU now decides what is uh, goes to the CPU, what goes to the GPU, etc. So it's like and the Superman in the, in, in the mix. It is exactly like the brain, like your brain in a human being that coordinates everything that happens in your body. And that's what's going to be happening in your phone, to be able to give you the best user experience. And apart from anything, I mean, this type of processing power practically... I mean, pictures are one thing. I mean, they're quite graphics have always been very processor and operating system intensive. But what other uses could that be used for? I mean, what other ideas could be thrown at your phone or what else could the phone do that would make it, you know, smarter and more efficient, for example? So in terms of your standard day-to-day -day uses, your phone is going to become more responsive. I think that's primarily what we are trying to do here is in every single thing you do, you interact with applications you needed to be able to be customized. You needed to be able to understand you and your personal needs. So over time, because the NPU is now configured with a lifetime learning pattern and, and, and configuration, it will learn your habits, your usage habits. How do you interact? What is So if we take an example, let's take Google Now as an example. Google Now um, has been able to customize its interface according to your preferences and what you frequently search for. So every time you open up your Google search page on your mobile device, it will bring up the all stuff the you did in stuff the past, that you did in the yeah. past um, and related news and articles, etc., to that specific topic. So it makes it simple. It's now all about you. This is now possible on device because your handset. Okay, that's a that's time. a big difference. So this right now, Google now, you have to have an internet. Well, you need a really good high speed interconnect connection, and of course, Google does the processing for you in Correct. their data centers. Correct. What you're saying with this new Kirin chip, that 
processing, that customization will probably happen on the device quicker and faster than it ever did before. It will totally be done quicker and faster than you've ever done before. And this is not just specifically with Google, but all applications. And therefore, we have opened up these chipset for the first time to developers to find its true potential. What other usage scenarios are So you've there? actually given them much more processing power and said, right, guys, go out there, figure out how to use all this power yes. and make your apps better or make whatever you do smarter and faster. This is essentially the start of, of mobile AI computing. And I think what most people tend to think of AI when we talk about AI is AI is just a personal assistant. Yeah, it's I, like the, I think it's not real to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's something that you talk to that understands language and be able to handle certain tasks. Yes, that is AI. The likes of the series of the world and the Google Assistants, etc., is programmed by AI and works on AI algorithms. But it has a certain rule set. It's configured that if you're given, a, given an instruction, it has a set of rules of responses that it could potentially provide to you. Whereas with the NPU, it's now open. The, the, the possibilities are enormous. So in actual fact, this particular set of instructions, depending on what you program it, could actually start learning and doing things that make your life a little easier or perhaps make the, the phone smarter or faster, for example. This is exactly what it is. The phone will become smarter over time. The more you use it, the smarter it becomes. and that is Or the more focused on what you do. More focused on what you do as well. Um, it will work in tandem. That's why I say it works in tandem. So let me give you an example. Uh, let's take Microsoft Translator as a typical example. It's widely used. It's one of the better translator apps. In, in real-world scenarios, a person could potentially be traveling to an international destination, uh, want to take a, a taxi from the airport to the hotel and cannot converse in, in the native language. You'll be able to open up Microsoft Translator, and yes, you can do that right now, but the difference is you don't have your international SIM card with you as yet. You, you haven't been able to or get to the nearest SIM shop or whatever. So now you don't need a data connection. You'll be able to deal directly with your phone, and your NPU will process those AI functions. You'll have sufficient power sufficient stored power on the phone to do all that stuff without any connection. Without any connection whatsoever. I suppose that's quite a huge, huge, huge it, benefit. It is, it is extremely huge benefit, and especially if you're having, I mean, businesses in a corporate environment, we frequently have uh, conference calls. We could have a person sitting in Germany and another person in China and one in South Africa, and we're having a multi-language conversation. <laughs> that's science fiction. Yeah. I mean, we're all speaking and, and the machine is fixing it. The machine absolutely fixes it. The advantage of having it, because those technologies are there right now via software base, the advantage of having the MPU is all of this happens in real time, no time delay, no latency, without the need of an internet connection. And that is what is so powerful about the MPU. To give you more clarity on what the MPU can do regarding the typical day-to-day -day processing abilities, you find that because we have managed to configure the MPU to handle the extreme tasks that the CPU normally does, we have now managed to get 25 times the performance of previous chipset whilst reducing power consumption by 50%. Now, this is massive. That's pretty huge. So battery life will improve uh, even though it's doing much more than it did before. Where, every, where, where the industry is trying to figure out what AI is 
And some people say it's just hype, some people say it's just gimmick. We are actually trying to look at how can AI improve people's day-to-day lives? How can we take these smartphones, which we know only last half the day sometimes, and give you two, three, maybe four days while it's giving you enhanced power and processing ability? That, that dinkum sounds like science fiction. I mean, you know, everyone's running around with batteries and cables. and But that you're saying that is possible in the new generation? That is absolutely possible in the new generation because of the configuration of this chips. And that's why so they're not only more powerful, they actually make the entire thing much more efficient. So, and, and how is this possible? They, they make everything more efficient because, like I said, all the heavy lifting goes into the NPU um, and it is integrated into all functionality. So if you're looking at your LTE function, if you're looking at your camera functionality, um, you're looking at your battery consumption, the NPU controls all of this. So it's sort of the hypervisor. It sits on top and, sits on and top manages and, everything. Yeah, and it's, it's the brain that controls everything. But what we have managed to do with our new system on chip process is we've managed to fit in 5 billion transistors. Now, if you look That's at ridiculous. It, in a square centimeter <laughs> of chip, That's ridiculous. Uh, the closest competitors in terms of chips, it has 3.5 billion transistors. To break that down from a tech speak, what does it mean to a consumer is the more transistors you have on your chip, the more processes and applications you can perform with lower power consumption while conserving energy. And this has been a huge challenge for everybody in the industry at large in the past, that we could never, I mean, you have issues such as overheating, you have battery drain, you have system freezing, all of those things. Yes, and battery and delays. All of yeah. those issues are now in the past because of the Q9 safety. And where, <laughs> I mean, this thing sounds pretty amazing, but where's the first practical use of this Kirin 970 chip going to be? When are we going to actually see something we can hold and touch and feel? <laughs> well, you're going to have to wait um, a couple weeks for that. Um, we, we will be announcing a new product on the 16th of November globally, and that should be the first product to feature the Kirin 970 And can you tell us what that product is at this point? I mean, you've been teasing. <laughs> uh, you could expect it to be the new flagship mate device. So it'll be, I mean, right now I've got the Mate 10, uh, Mate 9 here. Mm-hmm. So obviously, numerically, it will probably be the Mate 10 it when prob- it launches. It would probably be that, yeah. And that device will be set up to take advantage of all these things you've been talking about, having really amazing abilities with a camera and battery life and all this type of stuff. That's great, yes. That's pretty exciting. And um, when, at what point do you see this type of technology and start to trickle down to even lesser phones because that's how mobile works. I mean, right now, it's in all the flagship phones. And interestingly, as I'm sure you noted with interest, that the next chip with AI capabilities was announced by the fruit company a little thereafter. And uh, we expect other guys to do very similar things coming soon. But do you see this type of technology becoming more generally available across your range in the next year or so? Definitely. I think it will be available across all the range, but not just ours, like you just said, across the competitors. Um, 2017, 2018, I think, is the year for AI. Um, everybody's putting huge investments behind it, not just mobile providers, but also the likes of your Facebooks, your Googles, Microsoft. They're all chasing this because it's the next best, biggest thing. The, the key reason for that, and why are we calling this um, you know, a new era in terms of smartphones and in terms of intelligences, 
the mobile space has become somewhat stagnant over the past few yeah, years. Yeah, it's true. I mean, everything's glass and steel. They look fairly Correct. similar and a little quicker and a little this and a little that. Yeah. But there doesn't, there hasn't actually been anything yeah. really exciting in the yeah, last couple of been years. There something game-changing. Yeah. You know, everybody ha- goes out there and pushes great cameras. And yes, we do have these great cameras and processing power and screens, like you mentioned, and build quality. But if you look at the move from feature phone to smartphone, that was a game-changer. That completely revolutionized the way people interact with their phones. And since then, nothing that massive of ever I mean, they've got place. better, but nothing's yeah. really changed. So at, at Huawei, we've looked at that and said, how can we completely change, once again, the way consumers interact with their smartphones? And that is where we are seeing AI come into play, where you're seeing the birth of the intelligent phone and the more so, away from the smartphone. So in many ways, this we don't even really understand what is going to happen with the smart device, with this capability. I mean, maybe the applications haven't been designed yet that are going to fully take advantage of the smart capability of the of the device. This is exactly what we're saying with the Kira 970, and where we are different to our competitors, whereas many products came out there even a few years ago claiming to have AI capabilities um, in the forms of virtual assistants, and it had... Yes, it was great, but it had some limitations like we just mentioned. What we are saying is we are the first to bring in AI computing abilities on hardware, on device. And the opportunity is there to grow that. So in future, we can we, we don't know what's available, what these developers are <laughs> going to come out with. It's, it's crazy in terms of the, the massive potential that's out there. But when it does become available, it's going to be able to function and to work on a Huawei smartphone using the QN970 chipset that's going to enhance this entire revolution of AI. That's pretty huge because, I mean, just looking at the numbers, I mean, uh, as I said, I was in IFA at the launch of the chip and they showed us all the capabilities. This particular tiny little chip has got more power than the average one- or two-year-old computer, that desktop or laptop computer. And that's, sitting, and that's sitting in a tiny little handset with hopefully four days battery life. That'll be quite something. But still, you're talking about unbelievable computing power sitting in a tiny portable device that's really easy to carry around and use. So the types of, of functionality, the types of programs, all the stuff which we don't even have the first idea is going to completely change in the next year or two as developers figure out what to do with all this power. This is exactly what we are saying, is that we are say, we're encouraging innovation in the industry as a whole to say, go out there, let's figure out how can we make our phones smarter, how we can make people's lives better. This is what everything's about. I mean, if you look at, let's take Uber as an application as well. Uh, using machine learning, Uber tends to map out certain routes and give you the best options. So you'll have the best... Uh, drive experience. All of those are happening in terms of millions and millions of algorithms online. If you go onto online facial recognition sites, similar things happen and they will be able to use millions of algorithms and processes. All of this is now able to be to function on the hardware without any time delay. So we are saying to you developers, guys, come, let's come Bring together. the intelligence let's closer. Let, uh, you know, yeah. for, for AI to work and for people to see true real-world application, we need to integrate, we need to be able to get cloud, we need to be able to get developers and hardware all talking to each other and working together to actually reach its full So in many ways, I mean, as I said to you earlier, we've run out of time already, but in many ways, what this really heralds 
is truly smart end devices. Whereas before they were subject to intelligence in the cloud, we're now talking about intelligence that is local and available no matter whether you connect it or not. And that is a huge step change in the nature of the devices we're going to be carrying around. Every single device that you're going to see coming out probably in the next year is from Huawei is going to come out with this kind of ability. And yes, it is the intelligence and it's the raw processing power. I mean, in, in simple functionality, of, I'll give you an example of an image processing test that we've just done, just to, just to wrap it up. We run the QN970 and for, for your consumers that are listening, you would notice that when you go through your gallery on many a smartphone and you have 2,000 or 5,000 images, it takes quite some time for them to render if you are flipping to them. As you swipe up, they take time. They take time. You get them either black blocks or white blocks and they take time to load. With the MPU, we've managed to process 2,005 images in, in, in a minute using this time of processing power. The closest smartphone rival in the market only managed just above 800. So these are the kind of things that you're going to see when the phone launches immediately. And like we've just mentioned, in terms of greater functionality and true AI capabilities, it will grow as time goes along. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we could talk so much about this, but I'm looking forward. I think the 16th of October and hopefully shortly thereafter in South Africa, we'll be able to actually play with truly smartphones. Looking forward to that. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Hi there, and welcome back. That interview went on a little, but it's an absolutely fascinating subject. But before we get back into my gadget of the week, which is a huge one in many, many different ways, um, what a double whammy gold capital is offering. This is just a quick live read because there's always interesting things happening at high. So back to just a quick wrap-up on... Um, the whole Kirin 970. The new phone was launched on the 16th. I did that interview just before. And uh, <clears throat> it is indeed the Mate 10, but there'll be two versions launched in South Africa, the Mate 10 Pro and the Mate 10 Porsche Edition, which uh, is pr- is promised to be an exceptionally expensive high-end device. And uh, the launch is on the 6th of November, and apparently they will be on sale in South Africa sometime in November. So we're really right up there with the rest of the world in terms of getting these smart AI-capable uh, phones on the market really soon. Now I am going to be talking about another smartphone, uh, which I've been playing with for the last two weeks, and that is the Samsung Galaxy Note 8. Now the Samsung Note 8 was launched a few Oh, over a month ago. It has been on sale in South Africa for a couple of weeks now. And let me tell you right up front that this is one of the most wonderful looking, wonderful feeling and best built, built, best built smartphones that I've ever played with. Before we go any further, I must tell you it has a 6.3 inch display, which is absolutely huge. But because it is one of the uh, Samsung's infinity displays, in other words, there is basically no bezel, nothing to surround it. The edges go right to the very edge of the screen. In fact, they wrap around. But unlike the Galaxy S8, the curve is a lot flatter. The squares, the, the phone is a little squarer. It has an aluminium frame, glass front and back, and, um, and probably the best screen on the market. It's, an, it's a quad HD uh, screen with probably some of the best colors, best contrast, and the sharpest um, 
pictures that I've ever seen on a screen on a smartphone anywhere. It also does not have a um, physical button on the front. It's got one that when you touch the center button, it you get haptic feedback, and uh, it actually is pressure sensitive. So when you touch the screen, it like reacts to your thumb, which is really cool. And that actually hides away. So you get this massive full screen view. So for viewing emails, for watching movies, playing games, just general use, the screen is an absolute wonder. I must tell you, it is unbelievably impressive how far screens have come and how far Samsung have come with the quality of their phones. This is without question one of the best uh, phones on the market from the t- point of view of of tech quality and um, construction quality. Now, unfortunately, I can see that my show has run on a bit, but I will try to just highlight a couple more features. The other thing the Samsung has is dual for the first time on a Samsung, dual rear cameras, and the cameras are also Absolutely outstanding. Some of the best. It's got a, a, a wide angle and narrow angle camera. Its low light ability is exceptional. Its ability to take really good high quality pictures in any circumstance is pretty outstanding. And uh, if anything, the camera is slightly better than the S8, uh, the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus versions. And it's definitely currently the best, I believe, the best camera phone that you can buy on the market. But the Note series, apart from the ones that last year we won't even mention, the Note 7, which didn't happen, the Note 8 comes with the S Pen. And again, the S Pen is not powered, so you don't have to worry about charging it. It also has a great little feature that when you wonder, if you leave your S Pen on the table and you wander off with your phone, the phone reminds you to pick up your S Pen and pop it back in. Um, And the functionality of the S Pen, if you like... uh, writing on the screen or doing any form of art. They've improved the sensitivity and the quality of the S Pen dramatically. Uh, My artist son had an absolute ball drawing things on this phone. Taking notes, it has one absolutely cool function. If you pop the S Pen out and the phone is off, you don't actually have to switch the phone on to start taking notes. You simply start writing on the screen while it's off and everything pops up and you can save it to notes. So the pen is not a uh, an absolute must for me personally, but if anyone likes the idea of having a pen on a phone, um, being able to either draw things, take notes, do whatever that I- else that you need to do with regard to actually interacting. And it's really smart. You don't even have to, in many cases, touch the screen. You can hover over something. It will open. You can drag and drop. It's, it's just a very, very useful stylus should you require it, but it's not necessary. In, 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 in truth, this phone has um, amazing capabilities, even without the S Pen, although the S Pen does make it stand out and make it stand apart from everything else on the market. The apps that Samsung have, have created, which pop out in a little circular thing, um, which you can swipe through or, or use the pen to swipe through, are really useful. The Bigsby Vision, the Translate app, the Live Message app, um, you can highlight something on the screen and cut and paste it and drop it in something else. So they've given it a lot of thought, and it really is pretty smart. I've been told we've got to have a quick ad break, and then I'll be back with the final thoughts on the Galaxy Note, uh, the Samsung Galaxy Note 8, straight after this. with Stephen Ambrose. Well, hi there, and in the last five minutes of the show, I'm just going to quickly wrap up what the Galaxy Note 8 does. It also uses one of the latest chips from um, from Samsung. This is a Samsung-built chip, um, very much like other manufacturers out there. Samsung make their own screens, they make their own chips, they make their own batteries. We won't talk about that. They certainly make their own memory. So from a point of view of a pure construction point of view, this phone has the latest tech 
the latest of absolutely everything currently available on the market. It's fast. It comes with 4 gig of RAM, 64 gigs, uh, 4 gig of ROM. That's the operating memory and 64 gigs of RAM. And you can increase it with a SD card. Um, and it is incredibly fast, incredibly fluid. TouchWiz again, or they don't even call it TouchWiz. The, the, um, Samsung UI now is definitely a lot, um, a lot better, a lot smoother, a lot simpler. I still find it a little bit random and Android still does some weird and wonderful things. Every time you unlock the phone, it goes somewhere, which is, is not always that, uh, understandable why it should go into settings rather than to the home screen. But other than that, every app I've played on this phone installs seamlessly, is quick, is fast. It renders beautifully on this huge screen. And as I said, because there's no bezels, because the top and the bottom are so tiny, it, it fits in your palm so beautifully. It's just an absolutely lovely, um, phone to use. It's a lovely phone to hold. It's well balanced. The battery life is the one area that I've found that because of the sheer power and the sheer screen real estate, I get through a full day with a battery without too much trouble, but it is not the best battery life that I've used. You do need by eight, nine o'clock at night, you probably after some heavy use, lots of phone calls, lots of mailing and social media and whatever else you do. I find that on average by nine o'clock, I'm starting to run out of power. The good thing is that the power saving modes that Samsung have are probably some of the best on the market and they can easily eke out another two, three hours as long as you're not expecting the fastest performance. Though, even in battery saving mode, it is so powerful, this phone, that you generally um, don't even notice how slow it is. Every other function that I've used from the navigation to the face unlock, the one area I did find a bit of a problem, face unlock only works in really good conditions. But the Note 8 comes with multiple ways. You can use your fingerprint reader, you can use a pin, you can use face unlock, and it's also got iris unlock. So in other words, it looks at your eyes, you have to keep your eyes open and look at the top of the screen, and that unlocks the phone. And I must say, I found that Although the fingerprint reader is still placed in the top next to the camera, which is not a great spot, it certainly doesn't fall to your finger naturally like some of the other companies out there. But the iris unlock worked flawlessly. It works through glasses because it uses infrared. It works in fairly low light, not quite in the dark because you need a bit of light. But um, generally the face unlock was not great, but the iris unlock was brilliant. So in a in a nutshell, this Galaxy Note 8 is without question one of the finest phones on the market. It is also, and this is the con, apart from the slight lack in battery life, the other little con that I've picked up is the simple fact that this is an enormously expensive phone. You can get it on packages for around about 900 Rand, 800 to 900 Rand across the various networks. However, all of those packages tend to offer far lower data, data than you would actually use on a phone this powerful. Um, but it is selling for just under 19,000 Rand. And uh, if price is not the issue, then I must tell you, this is without question the finest built, finest finished, fastest, and certainly the most um, impressive looking Android phone on the market. So if you're looking for probably currently the best uh, Android device out there, um, with the uh, competition getting fierce over the next month, I can tell you, with the iPhone coming out and now the new Mate Mate 10 Pro coming out but still Samsung have really pulled out all the stops they refined the Galaxy uh, series considerably and the Note 8 with the S Pen is unique on the market there's pretty much nothing else out there like that and it's just the most powerful the most um, 
tech-heavy uh, product that I've ever played with. It just has absolutely everything that you could ever want in a smart device, and it just looks gorgeous. So that is the Samsung Note 8, guaranteed not to do anything weird like get hot and, and break down in your pocket. It's just a really well-built beautiful phone. I'm using the gold one, um, which I've quite come to quite enjoy. It's certainly more distinctive than the black, but it comes in black and gold. And I think there's a blue one coming quite shortly, so it should be very interesting. And on that note, I've actually been told to wrap up, but I do have one little thing to share with you, and this is great for, pe- for people who have kids. In the next couple of days, WhatsApp are going to re- release something called Live Location. It's a great new feature, and it's encrypted, so it's entirely safe. So what you do is you open a chat with a contact. Under Location in the Attach button, there's a new option to share your live location. Choose for how long you want to share, and then tap and send. Then each person in the chat, chat will be able to see your real-time location on a map. Um, and if more than one person shares their location in a group, All locations will be available on the same map. It's just brilliant to find out where people are. It's brilliant to see where you're going. And it's absolutely fantastic to track where your kids are or where your friends are. Or if you're a group wandering around doing something, you can know where everyone is. And you can all navigate back to the same spot. And it is encrypted and secure. So no one can actually see what's going on. I think it's just a brilliant new feature from WhatsApp. So update your WhatsApp and let's get uh, locating. And on that note, that's all for this week. Tune in next week to Tech Talk right here on High FM.